welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I am your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I want to thank all those people who have rated and reviewed us over the last few weeks on Apple Podcasts. By doing that, it helps other people to find us. But more importantly, it motivates us to help producing great content for you. So if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write a review. It only takes a minute, and we would be very appreciative. Think of it as your Christmas present to me. So, okay, on with today's show. As I've said before on the podcast, I used to specialize in cutting, and I never actually colored hair. But I could always sell the idea of color to a client and then pass them over to a color specialist. I always knew good color when I saw it, but for a long time, I never really understood the many subtle distinctions that made a particular color suitable. Now, I often hear hairdressers talking about sharing their formulations as if that's where the magic is, but it isn't. The real magic when it comes to color is an understanding why you do what you do. So my guest on today's podcast is Leah May, a hair colorist and educator. And years ago, when I heard her breaking down the process of what makes color choices work, it was a defining moment in my understanding of hair color and suitability. So in today's podcast, we will discuss the month cell color system, color consultation, suitability, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Leah. Hello, and thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, um, I'm in the UK and you're in Melbourne. Uh, so yep. there may be a little bit of delay here on the audio. So uh, uh, for our listeners, I'm just warning you, there might be a little bit of overlap sometimes or a little bit of a pause. But anyway, here I am. I have got Leah on the podcast and I've been really looking forward to having this opportunity to uh, talk with her because I know you're going to get a lot from this. But uh, what I want to do is I want to start off with you, Leah. I want you to introduce yourself and sort of give us your two-minute backstory. You know, who is Leah May? All right. So who is Leah May? Well, I'm 55 years old and I've been hairdressing since I was 16 and I've worked in many salons and I am mainly a colour specialist. Um, I have travelled the world teaching and it is my passion. I've got two beautiful girls at a great husband, a dog called Vegas, and, you know, um, hairdressing really is my passion. Okay, cool. Great name for a dog. Isn't it a great name? Do you know what the <laughs> yeah. next name for my next dog's going to be? No, Taxi. no idea. What is it? Taxi. Taxi. Right. <laughs> you're, 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 you, you wait until this one's passed on before you get the next one, do you? <laughs> well, I'm thinking of getting another one, but I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. Okay. <laughs> so I was never a colorist. And uh, uh, I remember years ago, and I can't even think of how many years ago, it was it was probably 25 years ago. It was probably in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember sitting in on a presentation that you were doing and, um, you know, you were talking about color. And if I'm really honest here, I learned more listening to you in 30 minutes talking about color than what I'd previously learned in the last, you know, 20 years, because your understanding of, because I never knew what would suit somebody and, and why, you know, some people should be warm and some people should be cool and all that. So it was just a total, absolute mystery to me. But when I heard you talking about it, it was a real light bulb moment for me as a hairdresser. And there was a, a person or a technique that you kept referring to, which was the um, Munsell color system. Um, and that a lot of your thinking was sort of based on that. So um, I want to start off with that. W- what exactly is the Munsell color system? Because I'm sure most of our audience are, are like me, uh, completely not informed about it and have no idea what it is that you're about to start talking about. So the floor's yours. What's the Munsell color system? 
Well, I think it was um, in the mid-90s. I was very fortunate um, to spend some time in New York with a colour genius and she taught at the New York Fashion Institute and she wasn't a colorist or a hairdresser, but she was a color specialist. She would make, formulate pigments for all the top designers and if they wanted a certain shade of green or a blue. And and so part of their fashion course was six weeks of learning about suitability because she knew that if these um, fashion designers of tomorrow were to go out there, they needed to know, they needed to nail that right shade of red or green or whatever it was or the pattern with the right tones in there so that their collections would sell. So I was absolutely super um, lucky to spend two weeks with her one-on-one. And when I came back, I took that information and I started working with her and eventually I worked out a way that I could use that information that she was using with fabrics in hair. And the reason it's called the was called the Munsell colouring system, I've since called it the Leah May colouring system, but is because it was based on Albert Munsell's um, theory of colour. Now, Albert Munsell was 100 years ago. He was the man that realised that he was a school teacher and he taught children and um, he wanted to work out a way that was better suited for children to understand colour. So he realised very quickly that all colours had depth, how light or how dark that colour was. The colour had intensity and it also had temperature, which was how warm or how cool. And it was all those things were all the things that we need to know when we're analysing people's skin tone. So to take it back to hairdressing and colour is when a client sits down in the chair with me is the first thing that I look at before I work out what the technique is or what colour I'm using is I work out is that client going to be better suited to being light or dark? And I pretty much know that by the time they've sat down in the chair, I already know they're going to be light or dark. And it's a really good way for um, trainees or any hairdresser to break down how do I work out how this colour is going to suit a client. So the first thing I do is I work out how light or how dark. And the only thing that that – is reliant on is the the client's natural hair colour and her eye colour. So if the client is like me, dark hair and dark eyes, she's what I would call a deep. Um, and so she's going to suit the deeper colours. If she's blue-eyed and blonde hair, she's going to be a light. There's six categories in this thing that I do. Then the next thing that I work out is intensity. How bright or how subtle is that colour going to be? So no, I'm going to do a blonde, but I'm gonna, am I going to do a bright blonde or am I going to do a more muted blonde? And then once I've worked that out, I work out the temperature, how warm or how cool. That's then when I start to work that out. And so those three things lead me to then deciding on the colour. Once I've worked that out, then I start thinking about the technique. The technique is totally reliant on the haircut. Is it a haircut that has layers in it? Is it a haircut that's one length? And that's what takes me, and that is the basis of this the whole method of analysing hair and my consultations. Okay. Um, well, that's fascinating. I, I've got lots of things to ask off the back of that. <laughs> uh, because... You know, I, I used to have a great colorist who um, you, you would know his name. I don't know if he's still around or what he's doing, uh, Brian Thompson, who oh um, yeah, I, I could talk about color. I could sell color. Okay, so a lot of my clients, a very big percentage of my clients had color. And I could talk about color from the context of saying, do you know what? Your hair would look so much nicer if you had some highlights or if it was a bit warmer or whatever. But yeah. I really didn't know what I was talking about. And, and if, if the client then went, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to have that done. Then what I would do is I would get Brian along, who was my colorist at the time, and he would take the idea and run with it. And, and, and his... Yeah. His what's the what's the you know his finessing of it his like he yeah. would look at someone that was blonde and he'd say look I really like the fact that you're blonde but it's a little bit cool or it's a little bit warm or it should be more yeah. this or it should be more that now to be really honest I didn't know what the hell he was talking about but every time he did it and then he brought that person back and sat them down in front of me I'd look at it and I'd go 
yeah, it does look better, but I didn't know why it looked better. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it was yeah. this, this yeah. level of understanding. And I find that a lot of young hairdressers are obsessed with formulation in that they want to, they look at a color that you've done and they go, what was the formulation you used? Because they think that that is oh, where the gold is. Yeah. And the gold isn't in getting Leah's formulations. The gold yeah. is in understanding why she does what she does. And that's yeah. that's where the magic is, isn't it? It really is where the magic is because – and your clients really appreciate um, – it, it's information that every hairdresser should have. Unfortunately, not every hairdresser does have it. Um, and, you know, there is a – you're absolutely right. I've, I stopped on my Instagram posts posting formulas because it really means nothing. The, your client that you're going to do is not going to have the same level or the same, you know, colour that this client has. So I never post a formula. Um, I do um, on my page um, do a lot of little videos that get you to understand. The system that I do is totally um, about eye colour and your natural hair colour that you're born with. So, you know, little things, you know, like if you're a redhead, you know, redheads, if you're going to do someone who is a natural redhead, they sit better at a level six. You know, don't put too much warmth in. Don't put more than 30% highlights in there or else you're going to illuminate them and they're going to look brighter. You know, um, just all those little things that that you really should know, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a great for, it's a great way to work. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, this woman that you said you worked with in uh, New York, who wasn't a hairdresser, wasn't a hair colorist, had nothing to do with hair color. No, but her her area of expertise was was color, you know, per se. Um, and so she must have found that fascinating from her perspective, working with you one on one, talking about hair color and skin tones and eye color. I mean, that must have been that must have been good for her at another <laughs> level as well. It totally was. And I'll tell you how I even found out about her. When I was getting married, I went to buy some fabric for my wedding dress. And I remember the girl in the shop said, oh, no, you, you're, for your colouring, it needs, I forget what she said. She said it needed a, a white that had more blue in it all. And I was like, oh, how do you know that? And she said, oh, because I, I did my course in New York and so then she rang the woman and the woman was like quite fascinated and at the time I was working um in a very high-end salon in Melbourne and so she sort of googled me and you know we made it possible but it was she analyzed thousands of women across America and she realized that every woman could fit into six categories and they were the categories that Albert Munsell's theory of colour. So I always say to people, get into, you know, Google Albert Munsell and learn about all his little things. You know, his The Art of Colour, which was a book that was written a hundred years ago, is just phenomenal. Like it is, it has, you know, and the levels, like a level one being the darkest and a level nine being the lightest, that was all Albert Munsell that put all those colors into categories and then he realized that every color had a different intensity um a different richness it was either like a red could be you know like you could put you can put gray in red and it becomes you could have it really bright at its true form or you could have it more diluted the more gray you put into a color it becomes more and more and more diluted it's such a it's such an important thing to know um and that's why i really feel like i can be a master of color in the salon and my clients won't go anywhere else because they know mm. that i'm formulating colors and also too color is seasonal so what i do for that client in winter i'm not going to do that in summer so I'm always changing and I'm always evolving, but I can do that because I've got the information behind me. The other thing that I never do is I never write my formulas down, unless it's a tint, quite with a tint, but I never write formulas down because I want to keep it really fresh and exciting every time I do a client. 
Okay, that well, that's interesting. Um, so I yeah. I did Google him before we got on this call last night. I I spent a little bit of time uh, uh, researching who Albert Munsell was, and I saw there were lots of books, including that book called The Art of Color. But one of the yeah. things I was surprised about, and and I might have I might have maybe I'm talking about the wrong Albert Munsell, but a lot of his color stuff came from him talking about soil, as in. Right, you know, soil, soil, you know, Uh, and he was talking about grading the different levels of soil or something. That that was his. Oh, he was where it came from. Yeah, there's a lot on him. He was a really he's he was an extremely um, deep thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you recommend that that book, The Art of Color by Albert Munsell, is like. If you can even get it, and the Color Atlas, I've actually downloaded it from. um, I've got it on my Kindle. Um, and because right. I wasn't able to find a, like a copy of it, but gosh, I'd, I'd love a, a copy of it. But it's, you know, it just goes back to the color, the color principles. You know, like and Google the color, the Albert Munsell, the color tree, the way that through a tree was. It's very like simple drawing for children. He was able to for the branches of the tree to explain to kids how you know. Um, look, I've heard a lot of different stories about him, but yeah, he was a he was a big deep thinker you know you go to the paint shop and you see all the different swatches and often when you turn it around it's got Mansell at the back because it's all his his genius you know wow. okay and so all that's right. what so. the woman in america based the whole thing on yeah yeah okay so let, let's take it into a very sort of practical um you know hairdresser behind the chair question uh, what are some of the right questions to ask in a, in a consultation for colour? I always start with the same question and it's always an open-ended question. Like I will never sit a client down and say, oh, okay, um, today, Anthony, I'm going to do blonde. There's no basis to even say that. So I always start with the same question and it's what did you have in mind today? Okay. And then that, that opens it up and she'll say, you know, I've already – by the time she's walked in and sat down, like I always say to the trainee, never gown a client up before I come over so I can see what she's wearing and her look. Yeah. I know pretty much immediately what her colour is. But even though I know and I know what is the best colour for her, I need to talk with her because what I think she's going to have may not be what she wants. So we've got to get a middle ground. I mean, there are times that I have refused to do things because I I really think it's not going to be um, the right thing for them. But it's very, very rare, maybe once or twice in my whole career. But generally, people go my way like because they know I have got the information um, to back it up. So I always start with an open-ended question, what did you have in mind today? It's always been the same one for the past 30 years. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, how long would you typically take on a colour consultation or is there no typical amount of time? I feel that like you pretty much nail it within three minutes. Um, consultations that go for 20 minutes, it's just it, – it's way too much. It's, it gets too complicated. So the first thing that I'll do is I'll say, you know, what did you have in mind today? And the client will say, oh, look, I'd really love it to be – um, I want to go really blonde. The next question then is part of the Munsell system and I say, do you want it to be bright or do you want it to be subtle? Do you want to see that it's coloured or do you want it to be, you know, subtle? And they'll say, oh, no, I want it bright. And so that then I know that it's going to be bright. Then the next thing is I'll always say, have you got any photos that you want to show me? Because there's nothing like seeing a photo, like a reference photo, and then we go from there. And I'm lucky that my Instagram page is, you know, um, pretty extensive and so I can show them you know if I don't think what they think I'll show them something of my work generally all my clients that come in new clients they've already been on my page they've messaged me they know it's look it's it's been great for me because you know I get clients who have the sort of things that I like to do yeah yeah um i will make sure that i ask you at the end for your instagram page details uh but uh, yeah i was having a look on there last night and those little videos that you have on there are fantastic um so i highly <laughs> I have a bit, I have a bit of audience. fun with it 
Yeah, and I highly encourage the audience to make sure you go and check yeah. those out because uh, there's, I mean, I know you can only listen to what we're talking about at the moment, but when you look at the videos, you can sort of, you know, you can see what we're talking about as well. So it sort of does pull it all together. Um, do, do you charge for consultations if a client just pops in? No. I mean, and what's a colour? No, 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 never for, charge right. for, no, no. No, right. I don't charge for consultations, no, not at all. Um, it'll, it, it gets booked in in a 15-minute spot. Um, at the back of an appointment or at the start of one. Um, if it's someone who, you know, sometimes they get some clients who are really nervous about um, colour and um, then I'll I'll do a half an hour spot. But no, no I don't charge for it. I'm, pre- I'm pretty fair like that. You know, I want that client to come in. I want her to feel comfortable. I want that colour. My main concern every time is for that client that's sitting in the chair for that, you know, I mean, my colours can take up to four hours is for them to feel that they are the most important thing in the salon. And if that means that they come in more comfortable because they've been in the day before for a consultation, that's fine. But not many of my clients come in for a consultation before. They they come in and it's all done on the day. Like, you know, you get one or two, but it doesn't happen a lot. You know, maybe you get one a month that feels like she needs to come in before but most clients will sit in a chair they already know who they're going to they know the level of um, expertise that I'm at often recommended by a friend you know that sort of thing yeah okay and you know you said that you you often will take up to four hours for things which I totally get uh, these days in particular Um, do do you charge you know, by for time, or do you charge? Um, you know, for specific services. How do you how do you work out your pricing sort of structure? Um, I charge, I charge by the time. Yeah, absolutely. But if I say like four hours, that's not four hours like with me. So I have an assistant um, who yeah. is, you know, and you and sometimes you're only as good as your assistant. My assistant is just absolutely phenomenal and she then once I do I get a lot of corrections like I get women that come in with really quite um you know tortured hair and they walk out honestly looking like they've got brand new hair now sometimes that can take me an hour and a half or two hours to put the color in but that's just the start of it then it's how it's rinsed out at the basin because if I'm doing something that you know I'm putting really clean blonde and then I'm putting massive low lights that's so important how those colors are rinsed at the basin because if the brown gets on the blonde so it's so labor intensive and I've we, I ne- I've never had anyone when they've walked out and said Wow, that wasn't worth every penny of what it was worth. Well, I, it, it's it's. I mean, I'm a Virgo, so um, everything. I, I'm a perfectionist at everything that I do, and I like to um, have the people around me do the right thing by the clients. And so, and I'm lucky because I've always worked in salons that work that way, um, and I've always worked with really great cutters um, because you know you're only as good as the haircut you know the color will come to life with a great haircut yeah okay all right let's um you know you talked about sometimes you'll have someone whose hair comes in and they're completely trashed and they walk out looking like they got brand new hair um but i want to talk a little bit about um product technology and changes and that and it also links in with what you said before about sometimes you refuse to do somebody because you don't think it's going to work for them and one of the changes yeah. that's happened in the market in the last 10 years is uh, uh, this new product category that started with Olaplex. And now there is, yeah. you know, every brand has got some sort of Plex type product. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how much of a difference have, have Plex uh, type products made uh, to what you can do as a colorist and to what clients expect? Uh, it's, it's totally, you know, taken it to the next level. Like I, I, um, I remember when Olaplex was first getting made and I was watching Tracy Cunningham's page in LA and, you know, and she'd only just got it and she was, you know, playing with it. It was at the very, very early stages and definitely that changed the world of colouring hair for sure. And, you know, um, I don't use that brand anymore. I use another one that's more of an oil base because it's just new technology all the time. And, um and I, I really won't work without it. So I'm very specific on my Instagram page. 
you know, I'm always talking about the products that I use. And so when the clients come in, they already know about it. They're like, am I having the treatment? And I'm like, yes. Um, because, you know, it using the plexus really allows you to take the hair to places that you could never have taken 10 years ago. And, you know, even the products that we're using now, the bleaches, the balayage bleaches, I mean, people that know me know that my I teach balayage across Australia. It is my forte. You know, I developed a way of getting balayage quite light and I developed a technique called split weave balayage. And, you know, once upon a time, you know, the French um, balayage artists were only, you know, balayage women that were like light, a seven level, because the product just wasn't strong enough. But now Mm. you're getting balayage products you know that have got the clay mixed in with it and brunettes like me can come in and have a beautiful balayage and you know it's not going to happen in one visit but you know those colors happen in three visits you know that's what I always say to people who like um, hairdressers be honest with your clients you know I'm always telling clients that that color that's quite light if you're dark that's three visits you know that's not going to all happen today you know so yeah so, so what I'm trying to understand with your pricing is, you know, that you basically charge for time, you know, so you have an hourly, you have an hourly rate of, you know, whatever it is. Just, for, I'm just going to pull a number out of the air. Let's say you said, well, my hourly rate is $300 an hour. So within that hourly rate, do you include um, whatever you need to do. So in other words, I need to put a plex treatment on, that's included. I need to mix up more product, that's included. Or or is that as well as your hourly rate, if I'm making any sense here? Yeah. So when I'm doing clients, I go, it works with a, in a half an hour block, half an hour, one hour, one and a half hours. Um, so it doesn't matter how much product I need that's all included in that time. The only thing that is an upsell is the the treatment um, right. that we use. So I will then say, can I put a treatment in that? And, you know, so then if I have to use, uh, you know, depending on how much I use, then that's the only upsell. But if I have to tone or, you know, put a gloss on and whatever it is, what all, everything that is used in that product is included in my hourly rate. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. Except for okay. the treatment. Right. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, PPD. Um, I, I'm really noticing these days that at a, at a really rapid rate that people are becoming so much more aware of chemicals, uh, whether it's in, in you know hair product or what they're putting on the skin or what they're putting in their mouth as far as food and stuff goes. Um, how, how important are the changes, um, you know, to do, to do with, you know, allergies and all this sort of stuff uh, in, in, you know, the chemical side of hair product? Are you, are you getting clients, you know, ringing you up and saying, what is the color you're using? Is it, you know, free of this or free of that? You know, because there's a lot of publicity these days about carcinogens and all this sort of thing. What, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, definitely you want to try and use the best products that you can get your hands on. And, and we, we do in the salon. We don't get a lot of people asking, um, yeah, every now and then you get someone that asks and you say yes and you give them the whole story and they might want to look at what the ingredients are in there. But, um, you yeah, know, I think my clients just trust that I'm going to use the best products that I can um, for their hair. But, yeah, no, like, no, I don't get a lot of questions, um, but uh, there's, there is the occasional one. Yeah. Do you, do you think people, when it comes to hair color products, are looking more now for organic products and, you know, PPT free and all this sort of stuff or or not necessarily? They're just more interested in the end result. The one thing that um, above everything that clients always ask, is it is it um, cruelty free? That okay. is the big one in, you know, in our salon. That's one, one of the things that, clients are often ask, is it cruelty-free products? And we're like, yes, absolutely. You know, and then we'll show them, you know, um, the packaging and all of that. But, um, yeah, definitely clients do ask that, yeah. Okay. Where, where do you see 
uh, future improvements in technology uh, from a colorist point of view? Is it is it in you know? I mean, there was a massive leap with the when Olaplex first came on the market. Yeah. Uh, wh- where do you see the improvements will go from here? Is it is it about it doing it quicker? So is it is it the speed issue because everyone's you know time pressurized, or is it in you know the performance of the product? Where, where do you see or want to see you know improvement from a colorist point of view? I would like to see somehow the plexes already built into the colors. So I think that would be a great thing. Like if they could, you know, and I, I think some brands have got it already. Um, I'd love to see the black the plex already built into the bleach. Um, that would, to me would be great technology, and I'd also like to see some some more um, technology with uh, all the clay bleaches because I'm, I do a lot of balayage work, and um, you know because sometimes it's not just about you know getting that nine levels of lift. I want the nine levels of lift, but I want the condition as well. So yeah, for me, it's like getting the condition into the products right, is what okay. I can see being yeah. Yeah, uh, and one of the things you just touched on a minute ago, which I want to sort of come back to, and that was uh, cruelty-free stuff. Again, you know, talking about sustainability. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there's just a huge shift towards that, and I think that coming out the end of COVID, it's even going to be more so. I might be wrong, but it, it, if it's not more so, it will le- at least continue with the momentum that it has been because people are becoming a lot more aware of, you know, uh, recycling and testing on animals and child labour slave labor, you know, all this sort of stuff is as a reality. Um, and, you know, social media is really putting it in people's faces. Um, one of the big things in the salon industry um, is the rinsing of product down the sink, you know, like as, as hair yeah. color is all over the world, every day we are rinsing chemicals down the sink. Whereas if a big pharmaceutical company was putting all that into the, you know, the, the the water system or whatever the proper terminology is, there'd be an absolute uproar. What what do you see is potential in that area? Do you see that there's changes? Is there a, a groundswell of like, you know, what do we need to do to make hair colour more sustainable? What are your thoughts? Oh, definitely. That? Like it's 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 really big like in, in Melbourne. Like, you know, we've got companies that come and they'll pick up product and, you know, you've got to scoop all the product into a, into a bucket and you know recycle the you know squish all the foils and all that it's I mean it's important it's for the future of our children and the world and you know like it's definitely yeah it's it's I mean Australia is really onto that like definitely it's very big here it's 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 pretty much a norm right okay cool yeah. okay so let's let's talk about business models for um a bit here um what do you think about color specialist salons are you seeing more salons that are just specializing in color only uh is it is it a thing is it a direction oh definitely like the salons that i've worked in the past 30 years have all specialized so we have colorists and the and then you know we do the color and then it goes through you know to the to the cutter i mean i don't know anything else i don't know any other way but um but what what That's I mean not, is, what about salons? What about salons that do color only? Ah, color only. Like all no, they do really is have, color specialist. You don't have any more of that. No, and I really, I would find it hard personally working in a color only salon because I would miss that interaction of having like a, like that input on that creative input on the shape, and you know I don't want to get all these women coming in with one length hair and. You know, all I'm doing is the color. I love, I love the excitement of you know me doing the color, and then it goes through to Tim, and Tim cuts it and comes back, and I, I love that. So I'm not a, I'm not a big, yeah. I don't think I would, I would want to get my hair colored in a just a, a color only salon. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. So, so um, another thing I want to ask you about was. Uh, color degrees, you know, from the big color houses. So, you know, all the big manufacturers or most of them do some sort of, you know, color degree for young hairdressers where they do an intensive course, you know, they might be spread over a year, not not just go on a half-day seminar once. Um, How important, how how beneficial uh, are those to a young colorist who might be listening to this? 
Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, it takes you years to learn your craft. The more that you can learn, we, a lot of the colour companies here all do education and that's I know freelance for quite a few of them. I go in there, they might get me to go in and do balayage education or colour correction or suitability. The more that you can learn now, the better you are going to be as you, you know, you might think I've been hairdressing five years and I know everything, but you don't know everything because I am still like, you know, I've been hairdressing almost 40 years and I'm still learning every day. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. The product companies, like, do so much to help these kids offer. I mean, sure, they're selling their product, but they're also empowering these kids. And, you know, some of the programs that I see are just phenomenal. Like, it's just mm. really impressive. Yeah, good. Okay, so what you, you specialise in, in balayage, do you, and blondes? Is that yours? That your I, I special, I'm a I'm a balayage educator, and so I have a specific way that I that I teach. I had to come up with a way that I, I just kind of got sick of like the the traditional. I mean, I was taught by a French master, so my technique fundamentally is the French way of um, you know of, of balayaging. But I kind of now, from what I learnt then. My technique now is completely different, but the way that I pick up a strand or, you know, use the brush and my two-day class that I do, the first day is just about applying. You know, I, they, I won't let them stop until I can see that they can apply the product properly to the strand. So they don't just come and watch me do three models and then go home. Like they're in there within five minutes, they are in there balayaging and often they say to me it's like having a personal trainer and you know that's why my classes would be very hard to do on a zoom um and you know and i hope that um well i know that education has changed forever and we don't even know what it's going to be but like you know i just love the one-on-one interaction with students yeah i think that's dead right that you know in this this uh 2020 um how we deliver education and, and how we receive education has has had to change, and most of it has has become um, online. Uh, yeah, and and I think there'll be a lot more of that going forward, even when we do get a vaccine. But yeah. I don't think it will replace, um, you know. I don't think it will replace, you know, face to face. But I think you'll have both because you need you you need both, and there's definitely a place for online. Uh, but there is definitely one hundred percent. You know, a place on. for that face-to-face interaction and and, and hands-on. Um, another thing that has surged a lot in this year uh, because it's had to is the home color market. What do you think that salons need to do to compete against the home color market? No matter where those clients are getting that color from, whether they're getting it from you know supermarkets, pharmacies, or whether they're getting it from these you know online color companies like you know L'Oreal's Color and Co. or Henkel's E Salon or Madison Reed or whatever, um, you know clients have been um, using a lot more color that they're not getting done in salons and they're putting it on on themselves at home. Now, inevitably, what's going to happen is some of them are going to continue to do that. Um, and it makes it even more competitive for salons. So, so what are the key things that you think salons need to focus on to compete against the home color market? Well, I just think, you know, with, with that whole home color market, I mean, we've just been in 16 weeks of lockdown here. And, um, you know, I did a little bit of it, the click and collect where clients could come, but that was just because we were in lockdown, but I certainly wouldn't be like, I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, and, um, what, what can we do? Well, we just keep learning, being the best that we can be. There's no comparison. There's no, you know, like if I'm going to go online and talk to someone over a zoom to pick a tone for me. I'm not going to, I'm not that person. There are going to be people that are going to do that and that's fine. Everybody does what they want to do. But, you know, like I think all of us that are like educating ourselves and are good at what we do, we really don't have much to worry about. Like I'm not, I, I don't find that even a threat for me. Okay. And I understand that because of your degree of expertise, but, um, 
you know, one of the things that's interesting now is that the technology that they have available to them, uh, that consumers have available to them, uh, with you know going online to f- doing an online consultation, some of those consultations are amazing. You know, it's it's an yeah. algorithm that that walks you through it, and that they're, they're so amazing that I can confidently say that they're better than what some hairdressers do. So you know, yeah. um, so, so that's the challenge to me is that hairdressers need to really make sure that they lift their game um, when well, they're behind absolutely. the chair doing consultations. Because if, if yeah. you're not lifting your game, the algorithm's going to wipe you off the floor. Uh, if you if you have the level of expertise that you have, then there's no comparison. But for those people that um, you know haven't mastered the skills that they really need to have mastered, um, yeah. they have a problem. So so it is all about ongoing education and always it's what you've really talked about absolutely. through this about finding your ability all the time yeah absolutely they need to they they really they really need to come and do my course don't they um of course they but do. they need to learn about you know um not only how to color hair but why we color hair and why we do what we do and really dig deep and just constantly make this amazing career that's hairdressing your passion and your life and try and you know my dad said to me like you know he's he's passed away now but he always used to say I don't care what you do but be the best that you can be at what you do and that's always stuck with me let's just all be the best that we can be and that way we can compete with these companies I mean I, I I'm not a fan of it and um and I think that yeah like maybe it's like a bit of a reality check to us I mean we don't have anything like that in Australia yet I hope it doesn't happen here but um yeah, like it's a sign that we really need to, you know, educate ourselves and um, and just keep keep learning. Yeah, yeah, I think it's inevitable that you will. I mean, these things, you know, with the internet, it's a it's a small world now, and uh, uh, the yeah. way consumers want to access um, uh, product is is constantly changing. So uh, yeah, so yeah. watch out. Okay, so um, in a in a salon situation, I go into a lot of salons, and uh, a trend that it, it, it's never really taken off and gone through the roof, but I see it in quite a few salons, and that is color tables, where you know you yeah. go into a color room and the clients aren't sat in front of mirrors, you know that they're sat around a, a, yeah. a, a color table, um, and I suppose the idea is, is that you know when you've got a head full of foils or whatever that you don't look your best. Why do you actually need to be sat there looking at yourself in a mirror all the time? Um, and and it has a completely different energy about it when I see that in, in yeah. colour uh, departments and salons. What, what are your thoughts about colour tables? Do you do you work like that? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Is there a reason why you don't um, like them? Look, I'm, 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 you know, I work in a traditional looking salon and, you know, I work in front of the mirror and I love because I love working in front of the mirror. I mean, we've got a couple of, you know, you know, there's one particular salon and, you know, the guy that owns it, he's he really is phenomenal and he's changed hairdressing for the better, I think, and he's, he's an incredible guy. But for me, I like to, um, even when I section, it's all about how the hair falls and I, and I need the mirror in front of me to work and pick out. So, like, you know, and I talk about this all the time in my classes, is that I don't, I don't have a set way that I section it really depends on the the fall of the hair and you know and I've always been big on that like reading the haircut you know if the hair could talk it would tell us what to do but it doesn't talk so Mm. we've got to work out where is the best spot to put light and dark and you need a mirror in front of you to do it for me I need a mirror in front of me but I'm sure that if you don't have a mirror that's fine too yeah no that's (laughs) that's really interesting because you know as a cutter you know, I'm a cutter. I need a mirror yeah. in front of me. But I've always, yeah. you know, I've often thought about the difference between people who are colorists and people who are stylists and and why you're drawn to one more than the other. And I think that I was always drawn more to cutting hair because of the instant, and I mean instant, cause and effect thing. Do you know what I mean? Here's the hair, yeah. I'm holding it between my fingers, I cut it, now you can see the effect. You know, it's a, it's this instant building process. Whereas when I think about colour, it always sort of looks like this process of, you know, 
you you do the consultation, you mix up the stuff, you put it on, it processes, you rinse it off, you dry it, and then you see what you've got. Do, do you see what I mean? Um, and so yeah. I, I look upon it as, as a cutter, you need a mirror. And as a colorist, you don't really uh, while you're doing the process. So it's really interesting to hear your take on that, that you look at the way the hair falls and you are and really looking at the shape. And it is a little bit of uh, showmanship and, you know, like you're, you've got the client in front of you and you're picking out pieces and, you know, it's all part of the magic of sitting in that salon, in that chair for four hours because this client is never going to go anywhere else because Leah is putting the colour, you know, exactly where it needs to be. And so, mm. but, you know, because I do so much teaching, I had to um, – I had to narrow it down and I was I had to give students some kind of takeaway of some kind of sectioning. So part of the class that I teach is teaching them this is the shape of the head. You know, the head is round. It, you've got that occipital bone at the back and, you know, all the areas to look at um, and, you know, know all that but now let's break all the rules and you know and then when I do my master class the second day they're telling me what the sectioning is going to be you you have to read the hair and you know like and I guess a lot of that was from you know the salons that I've worked at and and even watching hairdressers like you Anthony because you were always one of my heroes and like watching that how you're such an artist and you know taking that into the color world Definitely. Sure. You look at color and you go, oh, Leah's got a whole head of foils, but there is, there are different sections and each client is slightly different, you know? Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Okay. Well, thank you for that compliment as well. That is very kind of you. Where, where do you think, you know, that social media is heading in, a, in an education aspect? Has it been good for you? Well, I know it's been good for you. You build a lot of your business off, off of social media. Well, absolutely. When I let, when I was the last salon that I worked at before this one, I was color director there for 20 years. And then when I left there, I was able to launch Leah May Education and through my Instagram page, boom, like, you know, I was getting jobs and it helped me in that way to build the business. It helps me to convey a message to my clients. You know, if there's a new product in the salon, I'll talk about it on my page and they come in, they already know about it. It's helped me to build friendships, you know, like I'm always, you know, commenting, liking, chatting. And so, (laughs) um, and um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been fantastic for me. I'm not, you know, I don't have 20,000 followers, but, you know, I'm on it every day and I use it for the salon. And, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I, I think it's good to share, but don't share everything. Um, and, you know, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think social media has been an incredible gift to the hairdressing industry, uh, Instagram in particular. Um, and yeah. probably even more so for colorists. You know, it's like yeah. uh, when I started hairdressing, it was very much, you know, the stylist was the hero sort of thing and the colorist was, you know, the backup person. And the last 10 years, that's completely turned around. You know what I mean? Uh, the colorists are the, you know, the hero, so to speak, you know, because so much of hair these days is about long hair and, and the colorists have uh, – uh, and the ability of people to color hair has grown exponentially over oh, the last absolutely. 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can do, you know, the the ones that work really well for me uh, when I show it in real time. So I, get, I have the client with the fuzzy, frizzy five colors in their hair and I'll videotape it as I'm uh, – videotape it, that's an old term, but I'll show it, you know, as <laughs> – You record it. Yeah, you record it. I okay. record it and um, – and show it in real time. And so they, they follow the journey with you and they're like, what's happened? How does it look? And, you know, you, you kind of make it fun and exciting and, and you know, the, it's the makeovers. They love the makeovers. You're right. It is colorists do get a lot of advantage with, um, with Instagram for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, last thing, if, if you were listening to this and you're a young, you know, 20 something year old colorist, uh, no, not a colorist. You're a young 20-year-old something hairdresser and you're thinking of 
specialising? What what would your advice be? If I look, I always have the one regret that um, you know I never learnt how to be a cutter and a stylist. I would say learn everything and make yeah. sure you're great at everything and then specialise. You know, sometimes I wish I could dry my clients, but, you know, I'm just too busy doing Carla back to back. But I would say yeah. specialty work is fantastic, but know everything as well. Know how to cut, how to dry and all of that sort of stuff, how to style as well. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, cool. All right. So um, we've we've referenced your Instagram account a couple of times. Uh, do you want to say what it is uh, or, or any of your social media platforms? And I will also make sure that I put these links on to the Grow My Salon Business uh, website and uh, on the show notes for the pod- podcast. So, so w- what are your social media handles? So it's, it's um, the one is Leah May Color, L-I-A-M-E-I Color. And um, that's my main one. I have a few private ones, but they're for students that have already done classes. I would say, you know, get on there and watch the IGTV videos that I do and especially the ones about suitability. You know, I've got a great one that I did a couple of weeks ago on redheads, another one on brunettes. And in there, it like just take you step by step on how to, you know, learn a little bit more about the Munsell colouring system. And I just I give that all away for free because I think it's great for hairdressers to know all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I do too. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, if you're listening to this podcast with Leah May and you've enjoyed it, then please do me a favor. Take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. And please also write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate that because it makes it easier for other people to find us. So to wrap up, Leah May, thank you so much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Have you got any final uh, words for our audience? Well, what I can say is keep learning, keep bettering yourself. Um, And, you know, it's been a really tough year for all of us, but we've got this, you know, like here we've, you know, we're doing the best that like I am doing the best that I've ever done in my whole career because I'm putting 100% into it. So we've got this. um, And, you know, thank you so much, Anthony, for, um, for having me today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Leah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.